Welcome to episode 93 of Yins Are Good, the podcast that shares and celebrates all of the good stuff that's going on out there and all of those good people who are making that good stuff happen. I am your host, Tressa Glover. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for joining us for another episode. I hope you and yours are doing well. And today I will be sharing with you, now this is from a few weeks back now, but when we were at the Greater Pittsburgh Festival of Books, had our little table going and our tent there. We also had a whiteboard that said, you know how I like a good prompt, uh, what are you grateful for today? And we had so many folks stop by and jot something down on that board and, and got to talk to so many people. It was really just a beautiful day in many ways. So I will be sharing all of their thoughts that were on that board from that day with you all coming up here. What are you grateful for today, by the way? I've talked about it a few times here that gratitude list, sometimes first thing when you get up in the morning or last thing before you go to bed at night. I hope you've been keeping up with it. And if you ever want to share it with us, you know, we love to hear from you. You are going to love to hear from our featured guest today, Nelson Cooper IV, who is the co-founder of Pittsburgh Hardball Academy. Now, a little backstory. Nelson and I first met in August of 2022. We were part of the inaugural Pittsburgh Changemakers class. We received our Jefferson Awards together. And for those in case this is the first time you're listening, and or if you're not familiar with the Jefferson Awards and Changemakers, so they're provided by and supported by Multiplying Good, which is a national nonprofit. And there's a Pittsburgh chapter. We actually featured Multiplying Good on this very show back in episode 24. We had Jody on the executive director, and that was the first time Jody and I had met. And then later on, who knew? So if you would like your memory jogged, or if you haven't yet listened to that episode, go ahead, go back and listen to my chat with Jody and hear all about the wonderful work they're doing there at Multiplying Good. Anywho, back to my chat with Nelson. So I got to go to the Pittsburgh Hardball Academy facility there in Shadyside, got a little tour, and then got to sit down with Nelson and hear about all of the great work they're doing with youth in our area. And a little spoiler alert, yes, it is an academy for baseball, but it is an academy for so much more. They take a holistic approach with the youth that they're working with, and it's so important, and it's just so good. So that's coming up. And Don DiGiulio also coming up, waiting in the wings for another round of Name That Neighborhood. You know, who knows how it'll go. And a reminder that if you have a story you want to share with us, if you want to tell us about someone you're grateful for, someone whose act of kindness really made your day or your week or your life, <laughs> but any act of goodness, anything you want to share, we're here to inspire each other, to lift each other up, to spread the good news, the good stuff that's going on. How do you do that? Well, 
you email me here, yinsaregood at gmail.com, and I will share it accordingly. Also, if you don't yet follow us on social media, I mean, go ahead and do it. We're on Instagram at yinsaregood. We are on the Book of Faces at yinsaregood as well. And this episode, episode 93, is sponsored by Jenny's Ice Cream. Let's make it an ice cream summer with Jenny's. And now, let's get to all this good stuff, yes? Let's do it. What are you grateful for today? Here we go. Here is what folks at the Greater Pittsburgh Festival of Books had to say. A city that's made being a transplant easy. My community. My mom. Steel Chef. The weather is tolerable. Meeting Ross Gay and seeing a stranger again. Meeting wonderful people at this festival and for the books. I am grateful for friends. I am grateful for rain that helps plants grow. Spending time with my grandson. The Book Festival. Reconnecting with Tressa. Now this, a friend of mine, we haven't seen each other for years. And we first connected in the theater world. So shout out to Jen Shop. It was a wonderful reunion. And it was so sweet that that's what she wrote on the board. It was great to reconnect with you too, Jen. Being loved. Books and friends who love books. Being healthy and alive. Good food and family. Zucchini focaccia. <laughs> Seeing interesting stuff. Gloria. Supportive friends. Family and friends. A chance to sleep in. Cats. My daughter and cat. Freedom of speech. My therapist. Good writing. This whole perfect day. Rick Seaback. <laughs> Love of books. Good books and good friends. Love. My family. J squared. Hope. Nice weather. David, Sophie, and good friends. Dogs. My students. My pre-K teacher and other teachers. Thankful for friends. Signed, Ebtahal. Well, that name sure sounds familiar. Last episode, episode 92. Ebtahal Badawi of Pittsburgh Builds Bridges. And... I am grateful for my family and that I woke up this morning. Mm. Thank you all who jotted something down. And to all of you that I got to just have wonderful, really cool, really insightful, funny. There were a lot of laughter, but some really great conversations at that book festival. I cannot wait till next year. But to all of you who shared, especially what you were grateful for that day, thank you. Yins are good. Yeah, so this is our facility, Pittsburgh Hardball Academy training, 
and educational center. Um, so this is annexed to the Shadyside Boys and Girls Club. So we have a strategic partnership with the Boys and Girls Clubs of Western Pennsylvania where all of our teenage members are actually free teen members of the Boys and Girls Club. Oh. Um, and so we there's when we go inside, there's we have the indoor baseball facilities, our space that we can use, we control and have different teams. Our teams come in, do clinics for the community and things of that nature. And then starting in the fall, the plan is the Boys and Girls Club, we, we submitted a grant to have a shared resource. So we'd have a person that would work, it'd be our first full-time, or I guess they'd be part-time, but our first employee that would work 20 hours a week with us and then 20 hours a week with the Boys and Girls Clubs of Western Pennsylvania. So imagine a kid on the East End um, or anywhere in the city, but particularly the kids that are over here where it's very easy for them. They could get out of school, come here, go downstairs at the Boys and Girls Club, get a meal, do their homework, tutoring help, do any of the different programming they have, if it's STEM, if it's AI, robotics, and things yeah. of that nature. Um, and then we'll have the baseball programming available as well in the evening. So it's kind of like a one-stop shop uh, for those kids to have a safe space to go after after school. Wow. So that's 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 the plan. Yeah. Um, it's been a um, night. It's been nice to have this facility. This facility previously was the Pirates Pittsburgh Pirates Community Training Center, and they um, in two, at the end of 2021 uh, decided to no longer um, wow. operate hmm. this space. I'm not sure why, but they no longer operated the space and kind of was vacant and left opportunity for us to come in. And it's the only indoor training facility for baseball in the in the city of Pittsburgh. I was going to ask because I didn't know this was here at all. Like mm -hmm. when you say it was for the Pirates, let alone if there were any others like it. Yeah. So, you know, it's unfortunate that, you know, the, the major league team doesn't have a facility available for the community to use in, in the city. They have partnerships in the suburbs, but we wanted to provide a, a resource for kids in the in the city and, and any kids across the they don't have to just be city kids we have 27 different high schools represented but we wanted 27. to provide, yeah but we want to provide opportunity for kids in the city to have access that other kids you know may in the suburbs may also have yep. so this is our space i'll turn the lights on listeners it's gorgeous i love this oh i see your multiplying good banner yeah yeah so when you come in you can see some of the we won a couple different tournaments uh, this year and last year, but a kid could come in. This is the baseball facility here, um, and this is our multiplying good. We had a students in action team. Um, they did a project around student athlete mental health awareness, and so they actually got a silver banner, which is pretty neat. So yeah, so this is our indoor space. So we've got two batting cages here, a pitching tunnel. There's some space here for kids to do ground balls or other uh, baseball related activities over on the side some turf area um, but this facility this will be probably one of the last weeks it will look like this um, our goal and we're, we're actively fundraising uh, but our goal is to renovate this place to make it it's nice and it's been usable uh, but we want to make it a state-of-the-art facility that's a little bit more usable for multi-purposes so mm -hmm. so good so good. Let me just you, give you the background. Of, yeah, and even about you too, and your background, but then how did this Hardball Academy come to be? Yeah, so yeah. 
I'm originally from Seattle, Washington, born and raised in Seattle. Hmm. Um, I was raised by a single mother, uh, my mom, and my godmom and grandma, and my dad was here and there, but um, my parents met playing softball on my grandma's softball team. And so, and my mom Wait, played, okay. yeah, okay, and my mom cool. played, my mom played softball, well, she played baseball in high school. Um, and then... How common was that? That couldn't have been... Yeah, this been... is the 80s, so not common at all. Wow, um, so okay. Very talented athlete. And then she played till she was eight months pregnant as well, uh, which, is, which, is, which explains a lot. I was going to say, you pretty much were playing. <laughs> yeah, so... Yeah. I, so, um, so then I went to school in North Carolina. I went to North Carolina Central University, played baseball there, um, had a scholarship to the academic scholarship and participated on the team. I like to tell people a couple years in, I realized that no one would ever pay me money to do baseball. So I needed to find a job. And PNC Bank was on campus doing interviews. And I just like completed my first resume. And I was like, sure, I'll go to this. I was a finance major and did the interview on campus. And it was for retail banking. And I didn't even know what that was, which it's consumer branch banking. And okay. they call I was going to say, what is retail? <laughs> yeah, they, they call it retail at PNC, but it's consumer banking. Okay. And um, that's what I said. I said, I'm not sure what retail is, but I'm a finance major. Do you have a finance program? And um, they did. And then I came up, I flipped to Pittsburgh. It would have been December of 2014 to do the interview. And then I was accepted to the internship program, interned the summer of 2015, mm-hmm. and then graduated early in December of 15 and started working full-time at PNC in 2016, February of 2016. Um, so started their finance and accounting development program, did that through different networking, moved from the finance, like an accounting realm of PNC into the corporate banking group. So I did underwriting uh, specifically for financial institutions groups. So we covered um, banks, insurance companies, broker dealers, asset managers, and things like that. But my boss also, he had financial institution group and he had professional sports teams, which are kind of an interesting mix. And so hmm. over the course of like a year, year and a half, they're like, well, we know you play baseball. Like, would you be interested in, in doing the professional sports teams as well? And then it kind of morphed to me basically only doing pro sports teams as my main job. So I was doing financial analysis, helping structure deals and things of that nature for pro sports teams up for PNC. So we did all the major leagues and teams and it was really neat. COVID was very challenging, obviously. Mm. Um, and then during that time I met, and it's interesting we're here at the Shadyside Clubhouse. It's someone that I met way back in the, in the day at PNC through a networking. They have employee business resource groups, which are diversity groups and things of that nature. And I met him through that. And he's the person to kind of help guide me with the, getting into underwriting and making the right connections and stuff like that. Um, and he had reached out to me in early 2021, like, hey, what's your next step in your career? And I said, well, I wanna be a relationship manager in sales, but I probably know I'd have to leave Pittsburgh and I really like Pittsburgh now. And he's like, oh, don't be so sure about that. Uh, you know, <laughs> Maybe there might be opportunities, let's stay in contact. And then an opportunity presented itself later in 2021 the reason I said it's interesting, we're in Shadyside Clubhouse. Is he lives literally in that parking that parking lot, that house that's right across the street. No, is his and his kids. Is this all, when we cut to us knocking on the door, like, "Hi, yeah. we're doing?" Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he, he says he tells me to stay away. 
No, but um, um, but he lives right there, and yeah. all of his kids came through the Boys and Girls Club, and huh. like I went to the Boys and Girls Club in North Seattle and stuff. So it's an interesting connection. Um, yeah. But he's been able to see kind of the work that I've been doing in the community and coming here for years and years and years with the baseball stuff. So it's it's worked out really well. But that's kind of my background and how I've progressed at PNC. And now I'm a vice president um, in our corporate banking middle market group. So we specifically cover companies in the greater Pittsburgh area, Western Pennsylvania, that are 50 million in annual revenues and above. So mm-hmm. pretty large size companies. Um, and it, it's a good mix. So some are family-owned businesses that have started and been run and grown to big, to bigger business, and some are, are ones that have you know been sold and acquired and different things of that nature. Mm. Um, but it's a neat job, and I'm very thankful that PNC is a big supporter of Pittsburgh Hardball Academy, oh. um, and provides the opportunity for me to be able to be super active in the community and um, still progress professionally. At PNC, I've been actively involved like in the African American. EBRG. I was involved with the Women Connect EBRG, all the different ones there, but actively had leadership roles in those two. Our different line of business diversity councils have been active in those, and then had from that started to get active in the community outside of PNC in like 2018. I joined the Board of Fame, which is Fund for Advancement of Minorities Through Education, um, organization that helps provide scholarships to talented African American students to attend some of the better. Um, prep schools around like the Shadyside Academies of the world and things of that nature. Um, and then I joined the board of Pump, which uh, Pumped is the young professional organization. And I just rolled off of that board uh, this past year. I'm still on the board of fame. I was on the board of an organization called Ozanam, which is a youth sports organization. Mm-hmm. They do basketball programming um, in the Hill District and after school program and very similar. Imagine kind of what hardball does um, to it's different, but they have an after-school program and um, do that for the kids in basketball. Um, Darrell Porter runs that program, and and through that, kind of start getting involved with youth. I was involved with Big Brothers Big Sisters. I was a mentor in their Mentor 2.0 program, um, and all of those different things kind of helped shape what eventually became uh, Pittsburgh Hardball Academy. I was involved with and met Brian Jacobson, who's the co-founder of the organization. We both coached teams here at the Shadyside Boys and Girls Club, and we ran and managed uh, the Pirates RBI, Reviving Baseball in the Inner Cities program, from Mm -hmm. 2018 to 2021. And that's how we met, and we were here and and used this facility. And our vision, you know, that's more of a recreational program, and we had a vision that you have these talented kids that are playing baseball, why don't we expose them to more? So why don't we expose them to off the field opportunities? Why don't we expose them to higher level baseball training and opportunities and bring them to showcases and help them get into college? And it was an idea that we pitched to the Pirates and something that they weren't interested in at the time. And, and we don't work with them now. They, they have their own separate thing. And our program has grown significantly from that where we kind of had the foresight to see maybe working with them wasn't particularly going to work, so why don't we start something? Because we have the passion for really helping kids, and that's our, our main goal is to help the youth, um, yeah. regardless of their skill in baseball, regardless of their background. You know, Our program specifically targets underrepresented youth, and that term 
means multiple things. So underrepresented first and foremost for us is African-Americans in baseball. I, I'm, there's a stat this past year, the World Series didn't have an African-American player for the first time since 1950. And the color barrier of Jackie Robinson was broken in 47. So just that's kind of the state of baseball. And MLB tries different initiatives, but you know, I, I really think they try different band-aids and they don't mm. address the root cause. What is, in your experience, what would you say the root cause is? Cost. Cost. Um, and it's not accessible in neighborhoods. Like if you don't have adults in the neighborhoods who like the game or played the game, how would the kids join the, and play? Right. Um, and I think that Major League Baseball, over the past you know, 30 years, kind of dropped the ball with that and the rise of like travel baseball. And it's not like we, we're here in the city, just in general, regardless of race, baseball in the city is not what it was 10 years ago mm. or 15 years ago. You know, like the, the high school programs aren't what they were. Um, a lot of the families have chosen to move to suburban areas and there's more suburbs that are available and accessible than there were 20 years ago. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, a lot of the kids go to the parochial schools instead of the local city schools and things of that nature. But I think the, the hard part has been, you know, if, you, if, we don't, if the kids aren't exposed to it at a younger age, how could they ever, you know, stick with it? And then most importantly with baseball, it's a high skill sport. So you can be super athletic, but if you don't have the skill, it doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. Where there's other sports where you can get away with being athletic that will make up for some of the lack of the skills and you can develop the skills at a later age. Um, and so with the rise of travel baseball um, and the cost, so a lesson, the going rate for lessons around Pittsburgh, the very cheapest is probably $60 an hour. And that, I don't even know if anyone is offering that. Most of them are 80 to $100 an hour for a lesson. And so if you're starting lessons at eight to 12 and you have the means to do that, even if you're not the most athletic kid in the world, but you have the technique and skill, you'll be way ahead of that kid who's from an inner city neighborhood who may not have the resources to do that. And they're 11, they may have 20 years ago had this, the athleticism to overcome that, but now their skill is so far behind if they don't have access and opportunity to that training, how could they ever catch up? They're way, way behind. And mm -hmm. so we're kind of filling that gap of, providing clinics to younger kids and providing opportunity there. But then when they get older, we kind of see the critical age is like 13, 14. Like if they're, that's where a lot of kids drop off because they move from the smaller field to the bigger field. And if they don't start to get training right around that time, they're just going to do something else. And so we're trying, we, we've done clinics and then our starting point for our teams is now uh, 13 years old. So 13 through 18 is our main point for our teams. I'll kind of walk through our, our yeah, I'm talking like a lot about baseball, but I'd say over 50% of our program is off the field. So, but we'll talk about baseball and then we can talk about what we do off the field. But I'd say if you're a kid that you want to get involved with Pittsburgh Hardball Academy, how would you do it? When would you do it? So I'll start with our, that 13 through 18 year old age group. And those are the kids who have the full kind of experience of what we're trying to deliver. They would try out for our teams in the middle to end of the summer, mid, I guess, middle end of July to be specific. And then they would start with us in August. From August, and the program goes August to the following July. Okay. So in August, they would have practice and training, and then we have some fall, we play in fall leagues. 
And then in the winter, they, we use our facility here to do indoor skills development training and things of that nature throughout the winter. Um, we also have contracted with two tenth speed and agility, Blaze Sports Performance, um, to help them with their speed and agility with their weightlifting and things of that nature. Mm-hmm. And Brian and I always say, we know what we don't know. You know, I'm not a certified weightlifting coach, so I, I wouldn't even begin to approach that, but we get the resources for the kids so that they have that because they're, while their peers have personalized coaches, so we try to do the same thing. Mm. We've contracted pitching coaches, hitting coaches, and things of that nature. Brian and I handle a lot of that on our own, but we do bring in other people as well because we can't train every single kid. And we want to make sure that our kids have the opportunity to access to hear from multiple different people. So last year we had... A, prof- a former professional pitcher came in and worked with them for a couple months and mm-hmm. we had a current college pitching coach come in and work with the kids and um, nice. so that's our winter training in the spring the kids play with their high school teams as I was saying before and I didn't get to the whole term of underrepresented we have one-off kids that are different high school so we have one African-American kid at Pine Ridge and he's the only African-American kid in the whole program we have one that's in Brownsville. We had a couple that were up in Newcastle. So just kind of one-offs all around. We have a lot, we've had McKeesport, Penn Hills, Pittsburgh Public Schools are our biggest drawing districts, but a bunch of different schools. Um, and then in the summer, they participate on our travel baseball teams um, and they do college showcases. So we play in anywhere between six to eight tournaments throughout the summer. A lot of them are local but we'll travel, we've been to Louisville, Kentucky, we're going to Philadelphia, Norfolk, Virginia, we're gonna to tour Norfolk State University, which is a HBCU while we're down there in Old Dominion. Um, and we're going uh-huh. to Boston as well to participate in the National Urban Sports Classic and the kids will stay on campus. And then we also do college showcases for the kids as well. So they'll get to test their skills in front of college coaches and help and get recruited from that. And you said you're heading to one today. We're heading to a pro showcase. We're bringing pro two show. kids to the East Coast Pro Workout. There'll be all major league teams will be represented there um, in Cincinnati. And um, it's really fun. And the most important part of that is we're taking sometimes kids, like we've had multiple times, like last year we went to Rehoboth Beach, Delaware, and there's kids who'd never seen a beach before that were okay. in our, they've never been to a beach. And giving them that experience that they'll always remember I remember we stayed at a, and I'm not being funny, I'm staying at a La Quinta today, so I'm not ragging on La Quinta, but uh, we stayed at La Quinta and there's a kid like, this is the nicest place I've ever stayed. <laughs> and you know, it's not a five-star hotel, but like just from a perspective thing of giving that opportunity yeah. um, to, young, to these young people has yeah. been great. Um, we've been very successful. We've had over 30 kids recruited to college um, through the program and we've had- 30. Yeah, and, and one kid, he didn't play with hardball, but we get to claim him since he's Brian's son. He's a little bit older than uh, he graduated in 2018, and he did play for us with the Shadyside Boys and Girls Club team. Uh, but Tanner Jacobson, he was drafted by the St. Louis Cardinals last year in the 10th round. Um, he went to Queens University in Charlotte and then um, was drafted by the Cardinals and is pitching in their A-ball Oh, my team. gosh. Yeah, so... There's some good, res- there's some really Even neat though it's results. the Cardinals, sorry, I have to say yeah. that as a Pittsburgh fan. No, <laughs> that's incredible. Yeah. So there's been some great results. I mean, we've had the first Division One baseball commit from Obama Academy since they renamed the school from Peabody, Peabody in, I think it was 2011, uh, Brandon Banks. And he's someone who's, um, he's been with me since I've ever been coaching, but he started with T-ball with Brian here at the Shade Set Boys and Girls, 27. Um, so Brian's been doing this work well before I was even, he's been doing it for 30 years. I wasn't even alive yet. Um, but oh, we, that's you know. right. 
but we, uh, you know, it's been a wow. great partnership and it's a lot of it's been his vision that we've been able to execute and uh, pull off with hardball, particularly on the baseball side. And, you know, our thought has been the sport is the draw. And then once you have the captive audience with teens, because I've learned through submitting a bunch of grants, a lot of funders are a little bit skeptical of, of teen engagement. They're like, it's very difficult to engage teenagers. But our program, we haven't had those issues because we have such a draw with the baseball. And then we kind of, mm. for lack of a better term, cross-sell them on the other things. So we have a program. So I've talked a lot about baseball. Yeah. But our other main pillar, which I think is the most important part of what we're doing, is called the FOCUS program, yeah. facilitating opportunities for college and universal success. So we, um, within that, have three pillars. We have academic enrichment. So we have SAT prep. When they're applying to college, help them with their applications and things of that nature and any like tutoring and things that they need from there. And then our partnership with the Boys and Girls Club, they're able to do STEM, robotics, AI, those different things. Then we have social enrichment, which we go on different, like kind of, for the lack of better terms, field trips and do different service projects like being a part of Multiplying Goods, Students in Action, um, going when we go out to these tournaments, going on college tours and seeing different things. And then we have now, which is a new pillar, uh, given we've had so many kids go to college, and we're like, well, we should still be helpful for them. Uh, we have a career readiness portion, so uh, we've done tours of different like job sites. We've done had different people come in and speak about their careers, but we've been able to connect kids now to internship opportunities. So we had a kid who participated in our um, programming is now intern at PNC Bank. He's in Atlanta this summer. Um, we've connected with other companies that want to provide internship opportunities as well. So, oh my gosh, you're just keeping it going. It's yeah. So it's trying to be full circle and be intentional about Mm -hmm. we're helpful with them through high school and beyond. And so that focus program has been really, and that's a lot of the college recruiting is around that as well, because Mm -hmm. we sit down, we have individual goal plans with every family and every kid and the the hard part about the college recruiting is the school that you may be a fit for on the baseball side may not be your best academic fit and vice versa. Yeah. So trying to help them understand what what's important to you. So do you want to, like we had a student athlete last year, he really liked baseball, but he really wanted to go to a really big school and he maybe wasn't the level to be a division one player um, out of high school and who knows, he might continue to develop and get that opportunity. However, he had a big scholarship to go to a big school and decided to go down there, go to the school, participate on the club team and had a great experience. And so that is a successful outcome. And how important, I mean, that's what you're providing for these kids and their families is, I mean, that's a gift. Any one part of what you're doing is, but that conversation and for them to have it for the families to be able to have it with someone else, right? First of all, yeah. that's part of it. Yeah. <laughs> it's bringing yeah. in a person, right? Because those are really difficult. That's I think, and yes. you know, one of the most difficult things. But bringing those ideas of okay, but there's more too, and not being pushed into all, oh, but it has to be baseball. Because yeah. it doesn't always have to be baseball. It doesn't always have to be baseball, and and then knowing mm-hmm. if it is baseball, well, what's the most important thing? Do you want to go to a school? You know, to say, hey, I play, I'm on a Division One team, but then you don't play so much, or do you decide I want to go to Division Three because I'm going to get the opportunity to play, or do you go to a school that warmer weather, mm-hmm. just all those different things that are factors. 
you know, the coaching, the whatever it is. So we try to help the families kind of walk through that and kind of lay out all the different things on the table that are options for and them. It's holistic. It's all of the parts. Yeah. It's a 360 it's so approach. Yeah. 360. Yeah. Yes. 360 approach. So yeah, it's been great. Like, you know, it was, um, we started in 2020, um, in COVID we, Brian and I both put a hundred dollars in our citizens bank account and our free citizens bank checking account. And we're like, okay, we started, we did something. And uh, we got a credit card and we were able to get our website and we signed up for some tournaments and we said, we'll pay you by check because we need to raise some money. <laughs> and then COVID happened, which um, for, I would say was a blessing in disguise from a financial and operating standpoint because we had like 10 events scheduled. We didn't have any money to do that, but we ended up just doing three that first year. Yeah. Um, but it allowed us to start fundraising and really get our feet wet and understand what's going on. Um, and we've been, you know, kind of running since then, you know, and, and the fundraising is a hard part. We're hopeful that we'll be able to get the grant that we submitted for to help us get our first part-time staff member who mm. um, would be very helpful. Cause Brian and I right now are, just kind of, this is our second gig. We both you know, have full-time jobs, but that would be very helpful in helping us scale and grow the program. And it continue, it's yeah. like a continued cycle of fundraising. And we really try to emphasize to funders that, yes, we are a baseball team. We go to athletic competitions. A big part of what we do is baseball, but and we communicate this to families now. We said, if, if someone joins our program or views our program as this is a baseball travel team, it's not the right program for them. Like we want, it's a holistic program. It's mm -hmm. something that we want the families to be bought in and the players to be bought in because there's so many benefits. Like, you know, participating in the students in action team, being able to lead your own service learning project and be responsible for presenting it. And just for those kids to develop those skills and getting up and speaking in front of individuals about something, not about, you know, the, the, I'm trying to think of that book that everybody, Huckleberry Finn, they're not getting up in front of the you know <laughs> class and talking about that. They're talking about something that and maybe someone cares about that, but something that they chose to talk about and our student athletes chose to talk about mental health awareness for, for student athletes. And they did a project around that and they led it. And you know it was really a neat experience, but that's something else that you couldn't, you can't get that on any other baseball organization no. really in the, in the area. No. Thinking about, and again, then that, what that gives them is they learn what else they have a passion for. Yes. And you learn that you can have a passion for more than one thing. In addition to having you as a role model and Brian as a role model for that, they're finding within themselves like, oh, okay, if I have to think about what projects would I want to put together, what, what would I want to do? Okay, let's mental health awareness. Be, and the, oh my gosh, this is a passion for me. This is something I think is so important. And discovering that at these younger ages, mm -hmm. oh my gosh. And I love when you were saying too how this all started with you and Brian and a hundred bucks a week. I mean, but it's such a testament too. If you want to do something, you find you find a way, right? Yeah. You figure it out. You yeah. figure it out. Yeah. You know, it's interesting on that point. Like I knew I I didn't know that this is what I would have a passion for doing, but I got involved, and I encourage anyone just get involved with something and. It was big brothers, big sisters. I got dragged into doing it. And I was like, oh, I, don't, I don't know if I have time. And this is, I had nothing, literally nothing else going on. So I don't know <laughs> if I have time. 
And then I've, okay, I have a passion for youth and I'm connected with baseball. And then this is something that ends up happening from it. Yeah. But you don't ever know. I mean, you never know. Yeah. You never yeah. know. Um, I got off tangent when I was explaining the term underrepresented, but first African-Americans in baseball is mm-hmm. kind of our goal. And, um, you know, when we go to the tournaments, we're almost always the only team that has more than one African-American player. And I've, between our 15 and 18 year old teams this year, I would count maybe, I'll be nice and say maybe I've seen 15 other African-American players on other teams. From all the teams. From all the teams. And that's including teams we didn't play against. Just like, look, just serving the field at, the, at, at these complexes. So we're actively trying to get them engaged. And then the second goal with underrepresented, and, and we specifically don't use the term like inner city underserved because that's stigmatizing mm-hmm. to people. Like if, okay, if you're a single mom, you don't need to be stigmatized. I mean, it is what it is. <laughs> and right. so, you know, we look for families, that single parent families, um, families from traditionally the neighborhoods are maybe lower income or the school district is lower income. Um, but then the other thing, we look for individuals who want to be a part of what we're doing. So we have families that are not quote-unquote low-income or underrepresented, but they specifically want their kids to participate on a diverse team. They, they kind of see the value of being in a diverse environment, and they mm. see the value of the things that we're doing off the field as well. And you know, I truly think that maybe if you have a kid like that who's maybe from a suburb, a suburban white kid who has maybe uh, more opportunity just from wealth standpoint and, and there's something we learn at PNC about in our we are, our program that we do in the community across the country is called Grow Up Great and it's pr- particularly for pre-K education and I forgot I'm going to misquote the stat but it's it's the difference of words from of a maybe a lower income family to a higher income family the amount of words different unique words that a kid hears in that time frame is it's like thousands and thousands of words and completely impacts their future education because they're just not exposed to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm thinking of the same thought. If you have a kid that's coming from that background that might be a little bit more privileged and they, from the age 12 to 18, was they were in a diverse environment. They had a, one of their coaches was a black man. Um, they, you know, what we do that's unique as well, we bring back some of our alumni to coach as well. So maybe they had an Asian man as a coach and a black man and a white guy and this, that, and the rest. Um, when they do get that job working at Bank of America and they're the managing director and they're hiring on their team, it's more likely that they will be able to hire diverse staff, which creates a ripple effect throughout the communities that those people are coming from as well. Um, And so that's our kind of bigger vision is we're trying to, you know, I think some people get lost in in like it's just you know it's baseball and we're playing this one tournament today and yes we want to win that game or whatever but it's such a bigger broader vision than winning a game at la roche university it's broader where i think if we execute this program the way we think we can we could have a huge impact on the region in terms of diversity in the workforce in terms of opportunity in different communities. You know, if a kid that wasn't gonna to go to college ends up going to college, gets a degree, gets a job at a bank and is making 80 grand out of, out of college, 
where the family they're coming from is making 50 combined, you completely impact, significantly impact the dynamics of that family and that neighborhood oh, yeah. just from one person. And, and then their kids are gonna be one step above. And it's just that, just providing those opportunities. Opportunity, I was just gonna say that's. So that's, that's, that's kind of, I feel bad for the listeners are probably, what if this guy goes all over the place, but. <laughs> um, oh wait, please, I'm the host. Okay, so yeah. tangents is so, kind of what I do. Yeah. I, <laughs> There's a lot to talk about, but to, to wrap that whole thought up, yes. underrepresented African Americans, uh, lower income, single parents, people that have a background or a story where the, that traditional travel team that's going to take $3,700, you may not fit for them, we might be a fit for you. Mm-hmm. Um, or you want something more than just baseball for your kid, you, um, we might be a fit for you. What we also offer, thankfully, for having this wonderful facility that we're that we're hopefully going to start renovation soon. <laughs> what we provide for the community as well is clinics we call the Base Path Program, and it's we have beginners, we have kids who are maybe twelve that are, you know, they have played for a while but want opportunity to access the training. We provide clinics for them at a fraction of the cost of other um, of other baseball programs, and I'm I'm really. I think from people would be at PNC would be like, man, you're really a business person. You let all these people come in for free, but um, <laughs> it's hard. It's just hard for me if someone. I can't imagine just seeing a kid that likes baseball that's sitting on the bench right here or sitting outside and can't come in mm-hmm. because they don't have ten bucks for the clinic. Like it's ten bucks, we'll be fine. We'll fundraise it. We'll do something. We'll figure it out. Um, so we do those clinics throughout the winter, and now we had so much demand, we actually started Monday clinics throughout the summer for kids that are under 13. And so how do, how do, what do people do if they want to get their children signed up? Yeah, so they can reach out. We have a website where we have a contact form, but our email address is contact at pittsburghhardball.org. They can follow us on social media and reach out to us there on um, Facebook, I think it's just Pittsburgh Hardball Academy, but on Twitter and Instagram, it's at PGH underscore hardball. Um, so yeah, if they want to get involved, that's a that's a great first step. Okay. Um, and then we're able to give them, you know, we have a calendar on our website where they can see the different opportunities there. But um, if they want to get involved and learn more, that's the best step. Awesome. And that'll all be in our show notes as well. Okay. It's basically a fully subsidized program. You know, the, the mm-hmm. families do... We do pay a fee um, just to ensure commitment and things of that nature. But like when we go on these trips and out out of town, any family that can't travel, we pay for all of their travel. The the mm-hmm. players they'll they'll travel with the team. We'll uh, do their lodging, food. Um, if they need equipment, if they need if they want to go to the showcase, they, we get subsidized rates or fully pay for them. So every aspect of our program has some type of sub. Um, Subsidies. So, really, the goal is to make sure that kids that have the desire and the talent, they're interested in baseball, that they have an opportunity just like any other kid would. So good. Is there anything that has, when you look back on these past only couple of years, few years that you've been doing this, but is there something that's been like the best that has surprised you in like the best way or something maybe you didn't expect? Um, that's maybe. a good question. Um, I, I'd say this something, a positive surprise. 
I think that the general reception in the growth of the program is a little surprising. Not, I, mean, mm. I, I, I didn't expect that in three, this is our fourth year that we would be, I was told by a college coach just um, this past week that you guys are one of the top teams that I've seen in Western Pennsylvania. And I'm thinking, I was like, well, and we've been winning tournaments, we do well, we have good players, but just to think that this was just an idea a few years ago, mm -hmm. to hear that is, that's, that's, that's amazing. The, probably the neat, one of the neatest things was I was at um, Josh Gibson Field in the Hill District last year and we were helping, we had our high school kids coach the Homestead Grays, um, Josh Gibson 12 year old team in the Negro League Classic tournament that they put on their great partner um, of ours, the Josh yeah. Gibson Foundation. And um, one of the kids was like, when I get older, I'm gonna play for hardball. And he just said that. And I said, oh, do you know anyone there? And he's like, no. And me and Brian were both there. So he's like, okay, so it's a brand now. Like people are aware of what this is and they don't know us particularly. So that's pretty, that's pretty neat that's as well. pretty cool. Yeah, so it's kind of cool. Or like me seeing like people wear like our shirt, like I don't, it's kind of cool. Yeah, I just got chills when you said that. Like, yeah. that's so cool. Yeah. Well, you've done quite a lot here already. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's so cool just to get to talk with you about this and to see you. Thank you. Right? To get to see. Because it's been longer than I realized, right? A few, it's been Probably a few been, Oh, yeah, several months. I guess December. December, yeah. Since we graduated. Yeah. But this is so great. And I just appreciate this so much. I know you're so busy too. But to get to talk about this and congratulations and just thank you for what you're doing, for what you and Brian are doing. I mean, talk about just changing lives, changing families, changing. And like you were saying to your point of changing lives for generations that aren't even here yet. Mm -hmm. You know? Don. Hi, Tressy. <laughs> Welcome to Name That Neighborhood. Name That Neighborhood. Should I just use that clip as, like, that's the intro to uh, I, if you want, If you want to lose listeners, by all means. Okay, yes. perfect. Yeah. Perfect. Because I think that's what we're all about here on uh, Yins Are Good. The least amount of listeners <laughs> <Yes>. possible. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's nice to have you back. Oh, it's always good to be back. How have you been? Just peachy yourself. Fabulous. I am peachy as well. Cool. Mm. I mean, should we just dive in? We should just dive in. Okay. Uh, so you're welcome in advance for Thank only three mark. statements of fact. Whoa. Yeah. I got your back. Thank you. Mm. And your neighborhoods of choice this day. Yes, ma'am. Shady side. Mm-hmm. Or... Brighton Heights. All right. Oh, okay. I believe uh, Shady Side's been on once. Yes. At least. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And I don't, I don't think Brighton Heights. I mean, the North Side, of course, sure. has been on several times, but I don't think Brighton Heights specifically. Okay. Let's give it. You know. So we're going. We're going bright versus shady. We'll see. Mm-hmm. Number one, mm -hmm. this neighborhood 
is home to Henny Jewelers, Pittsburgh's oldest jewelry store, founded in 1887. Wow, that is old. Um, <laughs> shady side. sure is. So here's a little history of it. It was in 1887 that <laughs> Rudolph J. Henney and his wife Margaret made a $5 down payment on a building located at 6018 Center Avenue. Let's in, think about that for a second. A $5 down payment on a building. A whole building. Wow. Yeah. All right. Uh, that was in East Liberty at the time. <clears throat> And Henny, <clears throat> Henny began selling and repairing watches for the railroad industry, hmm. which was a big part of the pre-industrial revolution American economy. So a lot of watches for the railroad industry uh-huh. being handled there. Now, I and I... You would oh, think the railroad folk need to be on time. That is correct. Yeah. I'm hoping that they, they were have pocket schedules. watches. Right? I hope were they so all too. pocket watches? Yeah. And monocles. A lot of monocles. <laughs> Maybe they doubled as... I think I think in your head, the uh, Monopoly guy is the one who runs all the railroads. <laughs> That's, yes. yes. In 1887, that is absolutely true. Mm-hmm. So, I, and I had no idea about this. So, Henny Jewelers also served as an optician, which was common practice at the time. Hence the monocles. Well, I know. Isn't that... That's kind of weird. <laughs> but, yes... Huh. So I never thought of that connection because opticians, of course, making and, you know, supplying glasses to people. Of course. But the thought that jewelers would be the ones doing that. But of course, it does make sense when you think about it, but I had no idea. Yeah. So they, since 1887, doing their thing. So a couple of points here. 1978 is when they moved to Filbert Street in Shadyside. And then in 2003, they moved to their current location on Walnut Street. I also need to mention, however, mm-hmm. that... They're making their way through all the nuts in Shadyside. The Filbert, the walnut. That's right. <laughs> yeah. And so also, I have to mention, Henny supports over 100 charities every single year. Oh, and they have nice. it right there on their website. And so listeners, I encourage you to go hennyjewelers.com and it's H-E-N-N-E. They list some of them. They don't even have them all on there. But every year. And they're so heavily involved with so many awesome. nonprofits in Pittsburgh. And I had just, I had no idea. So it's really, and they have their mission up there. And part of their mission, I am paraphrasing, but it's about treating people with kindness and goodness and treating, I mean, it's just, it's, it's, they're really special and mm. awesome. Go Henny. Yins are good, Henny. Yeah. Uh-huh. Number two. Don't be confused by its name. Marmaduke Park was designed for humans and is located at the end of Bonaventure Way off of California Avenue in this neighborhood. Hmm. Marmaduke being the uh, the cartoon Great Dane that we're referencing. I'm so in glad case, you got where I was going yes, with that. In case people don't understand. Mm-hmm. Um, because not many people read the comics, the, the funny papers. I'll tell you, say. in 1887, though, they sure did. Oh, they sure did. This would have been a real knee slapper. <laughs> oh, you're such a card. Um, we're going to go Brighton Heights. <laughs> yes, Brighton Heights! Yay! So, 
although I kind of wish, I mean, I, I think when you have that name. Marmaduke. You gotta have a couple of great Danes roaming around there, but. Or at least a very good one. <laughs> Wasn't that originally what they were gonna call them? Yeah. A very good Dane. A very good Danes. Yeah. yeah. Relatively okay Dane. Yeah. Mediocre Danes. <laughs> so Marmaduke Park there in Brighton Heights has a lot of things going for it. First of all, a state-of-the-art playground. A lot of fun stuff there called Marmaduke Playground, as that would follow. Appropriate. Mm -hmm. There's a bit of fountain there, a big fountain to play in in the summertime. Also has a baseball field and a deck hockey rink that's home to the Team Pittsburgh Deck Hockey. Okay. There you go. There you go. Mm -hmm. Sounds like you want to play in that fountain. I completely yeah. do. Got it. Number three. Number three. <laughs> in 1910, Homeopathic Medical and Surgical Hospital and Dispensary moved from downtown Pittsburgh to this neighborhood and would later change its name to better fit its new zip code. Oh, uh, we're going to go shady side and just take a chance today. I love that about you. Mm-hmm. score for Don. Oh boy. It is. So the new name being Shadyside Hospital. Oh. But how about that for the old title? Homeopathic Medical and Surgical Hospital and Dispensary. Mm -hmm. I mean, it is, what I appreciate is it's telling you all of the things that it does. Yeah. In like the title, in, in the, the name. name of a, a, a place. Yeah. Like, yeah. you know, oh, here, these are all the things that are going to mm -hmm. happen there. So, yes, moved in 1910, and in 1938 is when it officially changed its name to Shadyside Hospital. Did you know that early Probably not. in its history, Shadyside Hospital performed the first x-ray in western Pennsylvania? I did not know that. Also established the region's first school of nursing. Wow. Yeah. Now, it is known as UPMC Shadyside, of sure. course, those four letters in front of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I got to do a shout out to my great, so this is my great grandfather's sister, Aunt Mary. You never got to meet her. She was incredible, but she was a hospital administrator for Shadyside back in the day. Okay. Yeah, one of the first w women. Yes, yes, hmm. yes. Back when it was still homeopathic? And no. Dispensary? That would have, no. I'm <laughs> not quite that old. Okay. But yes, it's yes, when it was Shadyside Hospital. Wow. Don, I am so proud of you. Teresa, I'm proud of you. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank That's you. just the generality. <laughs> Until next time. Until next time. <laughs> And that will bring this episode, episode 93, to a close. I am your host, Tressa Glover. Huge thank you to Nelson Cooper IV for the great conversation, for the inspiration, for all that you and the folks at Pittsburgh Hardball Academy are doing, and for all of the work, Nelson, that you're doing. I cannot wait to see what's next for you. But thank you so much. And listeners, please do be sure to check our show notes for ways to get in touch with Pittsburgh Hardball Academy. And also, listeners, if you have something you want to share, who are you grateful for? What act of kindness do you want to share with all of us? Is there someone whom you'd like for me to have on the show? 
send us an email. Yinsaregood at gmail.com. And thank you for listening today. Thank you for sharing part of your day with us. And until next time, my friends, be safe, be kind, be good. Special thanks to Don DiGiulio and, as always, for our fabulous artwork, Mike Rubino.